They truly felt that connection with the ownership. They felt that um, Leo, Oliver, and Tyler cared about them as people first and foremost and wanted to do the right thing. And that's why they love working for the company. So that was, I think, my first big challenge is how do we scale that? How do we grow and still make sure that they are connected to what we're doing and who we are and we're connected to them? You might not expect to learn that your favorite Mexican restaurant has its own university. But when you head up human resources and training in a restaurant business with nearly 700 employees across two dozen locations in multiple states, creating your own educational platform makes perfect sense. Intrapreneista, Alita Maxwell, wears many different hats with HR, finance, and operations that are all part of her job as Chief Human Resource Officer at Dos Torres. Coming up, you'll hear about managing the people part of a successful business including the concept of service leadership, hiring for personality and training for skills, a decision-making process that considers the impact on others, and why making your job be what you need and want for longevity is priceless. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear, real-life looks at how leading women executives or intrapreneistas are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Alita, you joined Dos Torres in 2012. What is that? Seven years ago now. What yeah. really attracted you to this company? Uh, what originally attracted me was the food. Um, I'm from the Bay Area, so having food um, represented in Dos Toros from where I'm from was awesome. But really, it was when I met with the owners. Getting to see their philosophy and their take as to what they wanted to build out Dos Toros to be was what really inspired me to join the company. And you started as in an administrative role, and now you're the chief human resource officer. How did that happen? Yeah, so the guys didn't necessarily know exactly what they wanted. Uh, they knew they wanted help with finance and HR and some operation help and some catering help, but they didn't really know what that title was going to be. So my philosophy was to kind of jump in and see where I can help and be most helpful um, and build out the role from there. So it became VP of finance and HR, and then it turned into chief human resource officer organically. Were they first-time entrepreneurs? They were, yes. So what was that like working for first-time entrepreneurs? Um, and you still work for them. Yes, so how, yes. How it was a growth experience for sure. It was a lot of fun. I think at the beginning, we were all just having a ton of fun together and really being able to create, create something from the ground up um, was a, such an amazing opportunity. But I remember going home at night after really, really long days and telling my mom, Yes, I'm exhausted. I can barely stand up, but I'm having a lot of fun. Um, and so that's what I always remember from those first days. It was chaotic. It was hard work, but it was fun at the end of the day. Walk me through what those first days were like on the oh, job. Oh, lordy. Um, <laughs> so we worked out of our basement at Carmine Street. There was the three founders, Leo, Oliver, and Tyler, and myself. Um, the basement was interesting. It was the New York City plumbing system that we had to deal with coming from the bottom. Oh, boy. And then um, we had the beautiful um, skylight situation going that leaked on us. So you had rain coming from the top, sewage coming from the bottom, and then we were trying to run a company. It was all hands on deck, and we were all learning as we went. 
which was really, really overwhelming sometimes, Mm -hmm. but such an amazing opportunity. What was your background? What attracted you to this role that you knew you were even qualified for this position? Totally did not think I was qualified for the position, Um, but I think it was a culmination of my entire career that led me to that point. So I started in restaurants at 15, um, various serving positions, and then I was allowed to write a training manual at 18, which I don't know who gives an 18-year-old that (laughs) opportunity. And then it built from there. I was um, plucked as an assistant manager to go help uh, open a brand new concept in Manhattan Beach. And that was really my school, my education Mm -hmm. in the restaurant industry. Um, On the job training. yeah, Yeah. And it was amazing. My mentor at the time really led me through how you build out a training system, how you build out a kitchen, um, why you put things in different places for efficiency's sake, even picking out what spoons we were going to use for the Sundays. It was such an educational Mm -hmm. experience that I am so very fortunate to have had. That led me to Le Pen Quotidien um, back when they only had six locations in the entire United States. So I was a general manager for them for a number of years. Um, I then had my son in 2007 and decided that working, you know, 80 hours a week was just not what was going to work for me at that moment. So I pivoted and I started to focus on more finance and HR aspects. Um, And I spent six years in nonprofits. When I decided that I had the itch again to get back in the restaurant industry, I ended up answering a random Craigslist ad um, that was written in such a funny way that I had to respond and just see what this was about. And it turned out- What did it say? (laughs) um, It said that I needed to be able to laugh at their jokes um, and that I had to be open to um, running catering. What was it? It was something like serving- serving the team in a way that inspired, which is what caught my Mm. eye. But it was, I mean, it was a hilarious post. It was not a super tied up professional post. And so that's what I reached out for. Um, Did you interview with the three founders? I interviewed with Leo and Oliver via Skype at the time because I was in Arizona for a stint. And so I loved their personality. You can see that they were super genuine, which I responded to. And then I came to New York to interview in person. But it was really the fact that they were looking for somebody for HR, finance, and operations that um, caught my attention because it was everything that I had been working towards um, all in one package, which most people can't find. Definitely. Can you walk me through what it was like over those first few years as the business was really growing and booming and now you're responsible for hiring different roles and probably figuring everything out as you go along? What was that like? Yeah, it was. I'm really happy that I didn't sit back. I didn't have time to sit back at the time to analyze it because I would have been super (laughs) overwhelmed. It was interesting. Every day was different. I think that We were all tasked with wearing so very many hats and learning as we went, but there really wasn't a ton of pressure. I think Leo and Oliver were really great at not not being worried of everything having to be perfect. Mm -hmm. We were all okay with learning as we went, as long as we were honest with each other about the mistakes and owned up to them and tried to do better as we went forward. Um, And so the lack of pressure, I think, is what made it possible. There was really no fear of failure at the time, because we didn't have this gigantic, huge plan of opening 100 stores in X number of years. It was really, let's do as great of a job as we can with these three locations and see see what comes. And I think it was that lack of pressure and the lack of fear of failure that allowed us to kind of bloom the way we did. And New York is a tough market. 
It is. It really is. But what I found to be so interesting about the New York market is that all of these um, quick service restaurant groups are really open to collaborating and Mm -hmm. sharing best practices, which I don't think a lot of people from the outside would anticipate or realize. So many different owners from different QSRs um, are very willing to answer questions or tell you what the mistakes that mm-hmm. they have um, made. And, and so you can try to avoid them and just sharing those best practices, which is so very helpful to yeah, us. Yeah, that's so important. And yeah. that's great that that these owners are willing to share that information because you could definitely all learn from each other. Yeah. And it's just nice to know that you have um, kind of a collaborator, collaborator, if you will. Yeah. And you mentioned before that you had a mentor. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience having a mentor and if that's really helped you in your career? Yeah, I've had several mentors over the years. One of my earlier ones, um, Gabriel Compone, he really let me see um, how to build out different systems, how to really focus on the end goal product and work backwards. Um, But with a very clear focus on what the end goal was in terms of how you wanted people to relate to the material that you were producing. Mm -hmm. So specifically when you're talking about building out a training plan, thinking of all the different aspects um, that you have to think through to get to the ultimate product and being very open for criticism. Um, That was something that he was great at is taking it first and foremost, taking any idea first and foremost to the person that you think is going to probably be the biggest obstacle and allowing them to poke as many holes in it as possible Mm -hmm. to build up the best product at the end result. Um, to get to your end result. And then you win them over first and they end up being a bigger advocate for you. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge learning lesson for me as well. Do you now mentor other people as well? Um, I try. Yeah. Um, I try to be a resource for anybody that is looking at how they can better have an argument or better um, win somebody over to their side. Or if they're trying to think of the appropriate steps to take to get to their end goal, I try to be that that mentor for them as well. I love that. What are the core values of Dos Toros? So we have three. Um, First and foremost, I always say that we are allergic to ego. Mm. Um, I love that. Yeah, we just don't think ego ego has really a place in a team that's really trying to work together cohesively. Our management philosophy is servant leadership. So we believe that the group's goals supersede our own. The higher you get in Dos Toros, the more you are to be here for the team and really support the team. Um, Our three core values are total respect, respecting each other first and foremost, definitely respecting the guests that choose to dine with us, and then the environment at large, uncompromising expertise, meaning we're not going to cut corners, no excuses, we all hold each other accountable to the standards that we've set, and then genuine warmth. So it's not about reading from a script. It's about that genuine human connection, first and foremost, with each other, leading with empathy, and definitely with the guests. We want to uh, present a playful environment, and we want them to feel really welcomed into our space. What is your hiring process like, and how are you sure that you're hiring for the right people that will embody the values of Dos Toros? Yeah, so we hire for personality Mm -hmm. and train for skill. Mm -hmm. We believe that we have a best-in-class training platform called Dos Toros University. Um, Did you create this? We did, yeah, in 2015. And so through there, we believe we can teach the skills that anybody needs to be successful within our system. But you can't really teach how to be nice Mm -hmm. and teach how to be coached um, or coachable. And so that's what 
we hire for. So somebody that comes in with great eye contact and a natural smile, um, those are the people that we want on our team. And so in order to do that, we've had to maintain the training system so everybody has those skills at their fingertips. And the way that we've built that out is that it's employee-driven. So there's incentivization. Um, there's a, a small increase in pay for every certification that they mm. get. So we're constantly driving them to be owners of their development, um, incentivizing them to constantly be learning and cross-training in our restaurants, and then teaching out the softer skills or the human skills of how to coach others, how to be motivational and uplifting to each other as we're correcting each other in this space. Do you see a lot of people working, employees working? their way up through the organization? Yeah, I think that's the best part of my job Mm. is being able to promote people. We have a number of individuals. We have a district manager currently that joined us as a kitchen crew person. We um, just last week promoted somebody that was with us for, I think, four to five years. Uh, She was a crew member when she began, and now she's a coach operator or a GM at one of our locations. Mm -hmm. So the internal promotion and development is something that we really pride ourselves on, and it's probably the best part of my job. And I think it's great they can see from your experience, too, that you've been yeah. at the company for so long and have clearly worked your way up and are now helping really run the company. Yeah, it's really exciting to uh, be able to have them turn around and tell others their experience as well, because it just motivates everybody to put in the work and really drive themselves forward. How big is the company now? How many people and locations? We have 21 locations. Wow. We have 17, soon to be 18 in New York, because we're opening our newest one um, up by Columbia soon. Oh, wow. Um, and then we have four in Chicago. We have just under 700 employees now, which is amazing and crazy to think about. And how many employees when you first started? 76. Wow. Yeah. What? That's incredible growth. It's insane. Really congratulations. Yeah, it's been so much fun to be able to build it. Tell me what it's like working for two brothers and then their best friend, right? Yeah. So Oliver and Leo are brothers. And then Oliver went to school with Tyler when they were younger. So those are the three founders. Tyler are dynamic. Well, Leo and Oliver um, have a very close relationship. Um, Unlike any siblings I've ever seen, they are very protective of each other and they are each other's best advocates, Mm -hmm. uh, which is fun because my sister and I more poke at each other than anything. So Mm -hmm. it's really fun to see their sweet dynamic. And then Tyler is somebody that I adore. I think that he has such a fun, um, light personality that he always is able to make everybody kind of uh, settle down and, and... realize the humor in any situation. But yeah, it brings a different dynamic working for two brothers. Two owners in in and of itself is challenging um, because you're trying to meet two people's needs that might not always be on the same exact page. Um, But two brothers brings in a whole other dynamic. Um, And oftentimes I have to remind them that other people are in the room because they'll communicate in half sentences with each other and they know what they're saying. And we're not we're not up to speed on it. So you got to loop us in. But it is It's really nice because there's definitely – you never have to worry about any backstabbing. They are always going to um, advocate for each other first and foremost and and not leave anybody out in that kind of dynamic. Have you ever had to be the mediator – Oh, sure. Big decisions. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, uh, early on, it was, you know, the two of them and me making some decisions. And it'd be like, they'll, they'll be on opposite teams. Alita, what do you think? Well, that was fun the first couple of times. But, you know, um, I think one of the things that we do really well is we debate really well. We have some really great arguments and we fully flush out um, all the different aspects. And then at the end of the day, they'll make the decision and, and we'll move forward. So how do you make decisions as a company? Um, this is the first company I've ever been with 
where the decision-making style is first and foremost, we think about how this is going to affect every crew member in every location. Um, the majority of the companies I've been with, we thought about how is this going to affect the bottom line? Mm-hmm. How is this going to affect us? What workload might this put on the support function of things? But this company, we really lament on how this is going to impact our Toros first and foremost. And there's been a lot of times that we've almost made a decision but stopped because this might not go so well with the crew. And so that is that's our first thought on any decision is how it's gonna affect the our beans, for example. We used to come in in the morning, sift sort and wash our beans, put the recipe together in a huge stock pan, have the team sit there and stir the beans for a couple hours as they cooked and became really tender. Our thought was to bring in an oven that would allow the team to sift, sort, and wash the beans at night, put the recipe together, and put it in this cook-and-hold technology Mm -hmm. that would allow the beans to cook overnight. Um, So in the morning, the crew would come in. The beans are actually more tender and more flavorful than before. It doesn't have to – it's not as labor as intensive Mm – as labor intensive. So our team's not sitting there stirring for hour and wrecking their shoulder. So when we got ready to launch this, we were really worried that the team might feel like we were taking away mm. some of their pride and joy. Mm. Um, we did not want them to think that we were replacing them. Technology cannot replace the love and the and the heart that they put into the food, which is I think why it tastes so good mm-hmm. because they truly take so much pride in what they're making. Um, and so we had some conversations. I went into some stores and just started picking the brains of our oldest crew members as to what would you think about this and how would this affect the team? And do you think the team's going to push back on this? And would it make you guys feel replaced? Very quickly, I learned not even a little bit. Nobody wants to stand there and stir <laughs> the beans for hours. This is going to be awesome. Go with it. Um, and so once we got their sign off and okay, then we rolled it out. That, that's really, really great. Yeah, I was happy that that was their reaction. <laughs> Does it take longer to make decisions that way, do you think? For sure. Yeah. Oh, yes, um, which is good, I think. Sometimes you can make decisions too quickly without fully thinking about the impact on others. This makes us slow down sometimes, which I think is a really good thing. So what's your day-to-day like now in this new role? Ooh, I have no two days that are alike. There is not a typical day-to-day. I typically am in the office prior to 8 in the morning. I um, am religious about cleaning my emails out so nobody ever is waiting Mm -hmm. for my response. I have a to-do list. I'm a huge fan of to-do lists, the things that must get done by the end of the day no matter what happens. And then I'm either interviewing. I interview still for all management positions as well as any executive um, or support function. Um, So it's interviewing. It's coaching. It's approving write-ups and um, termination approvals different team building issues that might come up we're talking through and then advising on structure and uh, development for the overall team. Definitely exciting days for sure. It is. No two days are like, which is what I think draws all of us to the restaurant industry. Um, And so I'm happy that I've been able to keep that as we've continued to grow. Wonderful. Yeah. Coming up, a decision-making process that considers the impact on others. So you have 700 people who work for Dos Toros. How do you manage the communication and manage the training and the consistency with all the employees? Yeah, so that's the um, brilliant part of Dos Toros University. Um, We're able to not only train specific tasks, but also able to communicate and provide leadership modules as well. So we have a module that's just on hiring and interviewing skills so that our 
entire management team knows exactly what questions are allowed to be asked from a legal perspective, mm-hmm. um, what questions we want to be asked, what questions will tell you different information about the employee, and then what we want to specifically look for from our employees and the people that are joining our team. And so I think Charles University is a secret to make sure that we're all on the same page, that we all are continuously connected with each other, and that you're hearing straight from whether it's the owners, a director of a specific uh, department, right from their mouths. Um, the communication flows much easier with Charles University. What is the infrastructure of Charles University? Is everything online? Are there calls? Are there in-person trainings? Yeah, so Charles University is an online platform um, that all of our team can access either from home on their computer for more of the culture fun things or for learning um, specific modules in the restaurants. Every restaurant has two tablets that any of our Toros can pick up at any time and jump on to watch videos, um, to see each other. So a big part of it is recognition. Every day we have our Toros that upload pictures or videos recognizing either a birthday or catching somebody doing something great or a certification so we can all jump on there and applaud them and say congratulations. So whether you're in Chicago or New York, we're recognizing each other's um, successes and applauding those, which is awesome. Do you do company team building outings or events? Oh, definitely. I think our biggest one um, is the boat party. So every year in New York and in Chicago, we shut down the restaurants for a day and we take our entire team out on a boat in the Hudson or in Chicago and celebrate each other and the wins and the successes that we've had together as a team. I know from our team standpoint, that's the biggest one and everybody really looks forward to that. Uh, We just had our New York one last month. How do you fit everyone on a boat? (laughs) It's a big boat. It is a very big boat. Uh, The boat is growing in size for sure. And Chicago's will be next month, which is really exciting. That is really exciting. I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds fun. It's a lot of fun. Since you joined in 2012, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned along the way? Be open to change. Mm. I am somebody who likes to plan. I like to know exactly how everything's going. Leo and Oliver pride themselves on being disruptors. Mm. They love change. Um, and so that was that was a hard learning curve for me. And I think I'm much better with change now. Um, there's a way we want it to go. And then we have to be open to pivot. So that was that was a big one for me. Have you ever made a mistake since you've been in this role? And what did you do? Oh, goodness, yes. Mm-hmm. So one of my first big mistakes I've made in this role, um, this was a number of years ago when we only had about four or five locations. I had sent a spreadsheet to Leo and Oliver that listed all of our salaried employees compensation and along with an email that I wanted to send out to the team. Um, and they approved it and I said, great. And I just forwarded that email on. And so, so everybody, everyone's salaries, salaries to, oh my goodness. to everybody else. And that was so embarrassing. And I really wanted to crawl into um, just a box and disappear. So I first had to call Leo and Oliver and tell on myself and grovel and say, I'm just so very sorry. What did they say to you? Um, they said, oh, well, you're going to have to clean this up. Yeah. I'm like, yep, yep, I'm on it right now. And so I had to call every individual and go and talk to them in person. But that made me – A, that made me very clear on everything I do. I have to have a very, very detailed why behind mm-hmm. because I might have to explain it someday. 
that solidified that in my mind. Um, and B, it was a, a time that I was going to lead showing humility and eating crow and telling somebody, yep, I made this mistake and I'm so very sorry and this will never happen again. And it really taught me to slow down, that I cannot do 18 things at once and be successful at them, that I need to focus and make sure that I read through my emails and what's mm-hmm. attached before I press send, which is a great learning lesson. Well, now with Google Business, there's an unsend feature. You can do a delay for 30 yes. seconds. I really, really <laughs> wish that that was there when I did that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. I feel like I've sent things before and I have the unsend. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I made a mistake. And then you hit unsend. But yeah, that was a big back mistake. Back then, I don't think they had no, that then. that was mortifying. Well, um, you but kept it was a going and you were resilient. And yep. We got through it. Yes. Nobody quit over that whatsoever. Everybody totally understood the whys behind it. Do you think everyone looked at that file? Oh, everybody did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of phone calls. Oh, man. I'm like, I'm coming. coming right now to you. I'm going to explain everything. Everything's okay. I'm so sorry. That was my fault. I'm on my way. I think it is. I agree. Like, people see that you made a mistake. You're human. And... You turned it around and made, made the best of uh, an uncomfortable situation. For sure. That was uncomfortable. <laughs> Have there ever been any moments since you've been working at Dos Toros where you thought, oh, maybe I don't want to be here for the long run? Because you've been, you know, slowly but surely working your way up for the past few years. Yeah, there's definitely been points when, you know, there's there's parts of my job that I don't necessarily enjoy. Terminating somebody does mm-hmm. not make me excited whatsoever. Yeah. Some of the rough conversations I have to explain to somebody why they might not be ready for a position they think they're ready for. And so there's definitely days when I'm like, I'm just wiped out and I'm done. But then I go back to, okay, so what is it that I want? Because I'm a very goal-oriented mm-hmm. person. I want to work for a company that believes in X. And what do I want? What do I want my role to consist of? And then I go back to what I currently have. And okay, the company actually believes in X, and my role is exactly kind of what I would write it out for. Um, and so then I start focusing on okay, well, what don't I like about my role? What is frustrating me at this moment? And how can I maybe minimize that a little bit? And what do I love about my role? And how can I maximize that? How can I spend more time on the things that I love? Um, and once I get out of my own head and, and start feeling sorry for myself and focus on what I do enjoy about the role and, and try to maximize that, that's when I, my attitude shifts and I'm, I'm happy again. It's very rare now that we see people staying at companies for a long period of time, especially the, the younger generation right now. What is it that has really kept you wanting to work your way up in this position? And what advice would you give others who really do want to stay at the same company and be able to work their way up? What should they be doing? I think being very transparent with your supervisor mm-hmm. is key. So when I have moments of frustration with Leo and Oliver, as they will attest to, I will not sit on it. I go right into the their office and I'm frustrated and we need to talk right now. It's okay, great. Let's talk it through. I think so many people hold it in and for some reason think that it's going to get better. And you can advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can say, I really... I get it. I have to do this part of my job, but it's not what I really love. I love this part of my job. How can I make this more of a focus? Most of the time, if if you're somebody that they want to keep, they'll pivot with you. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll allow you to do a little bit more of what you do love. And so I think that having that open dialogue with your supervisor and, and just telling them before it becomes too much, as soon as you have that frustration, vocalizing it is really, really important. And I think especially in a growing company where there are likely more opportunities that are always coming up. So I think that's really, really great advice. Yeah, and and I always get – 
I'm on often on the other end of it um, where people will come to me and say, I've wanted to do X for a year. Mm-hmm. And I'll always tell, why didn't I you just, tell yes, me? Yes. I can't read your mind. I had no idea you wanted to do that. Man, do I wish I had known that yeah. because we could have been taking advantage of that. And so, yeah, we are not mind readers. Um, people in leadership <laughs> don't necessarily know it all. And yeah. we do not know everything that we're doing. So please speak up for yourself and, and loop us into what you want. Because most of the time we can pivot a little bit or flex to allow that to happen. Yeah. Do you Have you ever thought about having a mentor program within the organization? Yes. We've had a lot of conversations about this over the years. I'm huge at not rolling anything out unless I can make sure that we will keep up on it. Yeah. What I don't want to happen is to roll something out and then we commit to monthly meetings and then you blink and six months have passed um, and you haven't had that meeting. Yeah. And so um, we've had so many other changes um, happening over the last seven years that we haven't been ready to roll that out and and commit to following through on it. But I think I think that point is coming up soon. I think the majority of our um, leadership positions are full now with the right people, and we're really excited about what's coming up. And so I see that becoming a reality for us sooner rather than later. What is next for Dos Toros? What is coming up? We have so many things coming up. We have, like I mentioned, the Columbia opening, which we're super excited about. We have New Jersey and the suburbs coming up, which is exciting. I think we might be popping up into a couple airports soon, which is super exciting. Um, But the biggest thing that we have coming up is our 10th anniversary, which is happening at the end of October, which for the majority of us, we cannot believe it's been 10 years. It's crazy. Um, But we're super excited to celebrate with our team and to um, appreciate how far we've come. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. 10 years. Time flies when yes. you're having fun and building great things. <laughs> and rolling burritos. Yes. <laughs> Up next, a surprise. And why making your job be what you need and want for longevity is priceless. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurspodcast.com. So when you walked in today, you came bearing gifts with a surprise, but I actually have a surprise for you. So if you look to your left, right below your seat. Oh, fun. What is this? It's your Entrepreneurs swag bag and a margarita pitcher to share oh, with the team. Oh, thank you so much. The team's going to love this. I'm sure it'll get swiped right away. Um, but this is awesome. Thank you so You're very so much. You're so welcome. So always bearing gifts. Love it. Love yes. it. Love it. <laughs> so I want to know, what is your favorite way to unwind after a long day in the office? Yeah, wine is typically involved, um, for sure. I'm also a um, huge believer that I need to find a stress release. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm dedicated to working out at least two to three times a week. Typically, it's a soul cycle class. Um, so somewhere I can go that I'm able to kind of get rid of my stress and have to put my cell phone away for a specific amount of time is is key. I also have a 12-year-old, so um, that allows me or forces me mm-hmm. to kind of switch avenues and put work aside at some point and focus on him. He is um, very clear when work needs to be put aside and I need to be spending time with him. So that helps as well. Are you always on your phone checking emails in your home? Yes. Because yeah. I pride myself on getting back to people yeah. immediately. I don't want anybody to have to wait on me. Um, and so that's hard to put it down. But yeah, between my son and then some kind of class, whether it's Soul Cycle or SLT, um, that forces you to put down the phone, which I find to be needed 
Are you a foodie? You work in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. I am not. I am not one of those people that delights in cooking. Um, I definitely went through a lot of kitchen courses throughout my career, but that's not something that I find as a stress reliever. Um, I typically get very stressed out if I'm in the kitchen, so that's just... You sound like me. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I wish I had that passion. And do you have any podcast recommendations, book recommendations for entrepreneurs? I'm a huge lover of Simon Sinek. I mm, think that yes. the servant leadership mentality and the work that he's doing in that space is just awesome. So I get really motivated by reading any of his stuff or listening to any of his TED Talks. I typically walk away with a totally different perspective mm. and has opened my mind or shifted the way that I think about things. So I, I love him. What would you say you're grateful for every day? The little things. Yeah. I really um, – I try to focus on small acts of kindness, um, whether that's you know somebody just helping another person up the stairs or holding a door open or sitting down and, and having a full conversation with a homeless person and figuring out how you can be helpful to them. I just – I really delight in small acts of kindness. That's beautiful. I'm the same way. I love that. I feel like we would just be friends, friends in real life, not just on the, not just on the podcast. (laughs) If you could give um, the entrepreneurs listening one really great piece of advice, what would you share with them? I would probably say to put in the hard work. Um, I think that so many people today or what I'm finding so many people today really focus on, well, my job description doesn't say X, Y, and Z. Um, And so if I do X, Y, and Z, I wouldn't be compensated for that. And I've always gone about it a different way. I've always wanted to show my employers what I could do. And so I will work my booty off and and do whatever is asked of me, obviously within reason, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm comfortable with. But do the hard work, and then I can advocate for myself when it comes to review time. I can say, I I really believe I deserve X because this is what I've been able to bring to the team. This is what I've done. But I would I would say not to be an hour counter, not to, you know, parse the job description, but really try to serve others, Mm -hmm. um, try to be as helpful as possible in any way possible. And that will be recognized for sure at the end of the day. Do you see that mentality in you know, the generation of new workers now? Yes. And I think that, you know, the the new generation that's emerging is bringing so many great things mm-hmm. um, to the table and really challenging everybody in, in every industry to rethink the way that things have been done, which I think is awesome. But I do think that the I need to be rewarded before I have done the work is something I'm seeing more and more. Um, And I would always advise against that. Just make yourself invaluable to the company and they will do what they need to to retain you and make sure that you're happy. But oftentimes when somebody, you know, truly holds their foot down and demands the higher price tag, then the company doesn't necessarily have those warm, mushy feelings towards you. And so I've always tried to show what I can do first um, and then ask for what I feel is right. And you've really had to scale all of your HR procedures and onboardings. What advice do you have for people who are growing quickly like Dos Toros? Yeah, so I think two pieces or one piece of advice than what I did to make sure that we were set up for success. Um, One is don't 
write your policies or procedures based off of your current group of people. You know, you might not feel like you need a social media policy because the five people on your team would never write anything Mm. on social media that was derogatory towards the company. True, but you don't know who you're going to add to your team later on. And and that's why you need a policy Mm. so everybody knows exactly what is acceptable and what is not. Um, so that's the first thing I would say as you're scaling and growing. Um, Dos Toros University was actually created because we were worried about that connection point between Leo and Oliver and Tyler and the rest of the crew. When I first joined Dos Toros um, and I would ask employees why they love to work for the company, they would say Leo, Oliver, and Tyler because we had three locations. They were in every location every day. They truly felt that connection with the ownership. They felt that um, Leo, Oliver, and Tyler cared about them as people first and foremost and wanted to do the right thing. And that's why they love working for the company. So that was, I think, my first big challenge is how do we scale that? How do we grow and still make sure that they are connected to what we're doing and who we are and we're connected to them? Um, and that's why we built out Dos Charles University. So again, not only can they be trained, but they have the direct connection. Um, on a monthly basis, Leo and Oliver will both do posts mm. via Dos Charles University where Oliver will explain some of the reasons why we do what we do on the line in terms of how we build out our entrees. And Leo will maybe explain some of the changes that we've made and and the why is behind that. And I think that interaction hearing directly from leadership as to why we're doing what we're doing um, is really, really important and has allowed us to keep that connection as we continue to grow. Mm. And what would you say being an entrepreneurista means to you? If you've ever thought of it that way. (laughs) Yeah, before this interview, I had not. So that was a hard one for me to think about. But I do think that being an entrepreneurista is about living your core values um, on a daily basis, leading by example, and paying it forward. So helping the next person along however you can. Um, I do try to spend a good couple of hours a week helping others in our space. So if it's a brand new HR person that's starting out or somebody that's building a company from scratch and has no idea even what a handbook would look Mm. like, I think it's really important that if we all pay it forward, how great we can be as a society. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've learned so much from you that I want to bring back to to our business. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and I know everyone who's listening is going to learn so much as well. And thank you. Where can everyone find you and follow you? Um, So we're at at Dos Toros on Instagram, and you can get all of our information from that account, as well as we have 17 locations in New York and four locations in Chicago. And we have a special offer for your audience at Entrepreneurista's. Yeah, so if you head on over to Instagram, you guys, we have a special offer for Dos Toros. Head on over there at Entrepreneurs on Instagram and check it out. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Stephanie, and this was the best business meeting we've ever had. Thanks for listening. 